I'm going to pray really quick. Father, I pray that you would bless this time we spend looking at your word. I pray that we would hear from you. God, I pray for your grace um, to pour out in this place in Jesus' name. Bless these words. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. And I pray for um, you would change our, change our lives in your precious name. Amen. Guys, I'm going to sit down today because I want to. Makes me seem more approachable, right? <laughs> I should just give you a Paul Schaefer microphone. Ha! Yeah. Y'all know who Paul Schaefer is, right? Okay, good. I was worried. All right, well, I'm gonna. I've got. A, I've, I had a whole message planned out. Um, I don't know if we'll ever use it because I think things might be a little too. Uh, too hot, you know, to talk about. But I, I want to say a few things. This is kind of a two-part message that came about, and I'll explain how. And they seemed unrelated, but now they are related. And necessarily, the first one is, the first part of this is going to be talking about some of the things that happened this week in our country. But then the second part is really the, the core of the message, which is the, you know, um, the rest. So God, give me clear ability to say the things that I believe you've given in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I mean, obviously, we had a pretty crazy week as a country. Everybody knows that. And we saw some things that were pretty shocking. And I'll say this. I have pretty strong feelings about a lot of what happened and is happening, just like everybody else does. I mean, I, I, I shared her a couple months ago that I have OCD, so I have pretty strong feelings about, like, everything <laughs> and like I have strong fe- if you call the first Star Wars movie a new hope I have strong feelings about that <laughs> the movie is called Star Wars so <laughs> I got one in it so the point is I've got plenty of strong feelings that I could share at length about but I, I really don't think any of that would be helpful or even matter um, if you need to know, uh, and I'm not, here's the other thing, I'm certainly not frightened to share any of it. I, it would honestly, it would feel great for me to sit up here and tell everybody how right I am and how dumb everybody else is. And I'm pretty sure that would be the most sinful thing I could do. Because <laughs> we didn't come here to, for you to hear my opinions and whatever. If it's important to you to know, take me to lunch. I'll be glad to go to lunch and talk at length. With any of you, but you better be ready, because it might turn into a couple. I'll, I'll talk, so you can ask some of the people who've had these sort of lunches with me so far. So I have a lot of opinions, and I'd be more than happy to share them with you and discuss these things with you. But we're just not going to do that here because it doesn't really matter. However, we still need to address these things. And so my wife and I were talking in, about people in the Bible who so they inquired of the Lord. Like it's a good idea. So I inquired of the Lord. And did you, did you, kids, did you know you can do this? You can actually ask God things. I mean, Philippians 4, 6 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So we can ask God things. We should tell him the things that are bothering us. Ask him for help. Thank him for the things he's helped us with. So I inquired of the Lord. 
And any parent knows you can love somebody without approving of everything that they do. That's not hard to grasp, right? So loving someone does not equal approving of everything they do. Does everybody understand that? The world seems to be telling us right now that to love somebody means you have to approve of everything they do. You do not. I don't, it's not, it's not, it's just, I don't, I don't know. It's not true, okay? We'll preach about that another day. But God's love is, is that good that he can love everyone at that level. God's the only one who can do that. So this week we saw people um, storm the capital of our country to protest the president election. And I was, I, frankly, I was shocked. Uh, I had texted some people. They were asking me what I thought would happen that day. I was like, nothing. You know, I mean, it's, it'll be Thursday, I think was literally the thing I said. I was like, it'll be, like a, it'll be in the news, and then it'll be Thursday. And then all of a sudden that happened, and I was like, ah. And people started texting me. And I was like, this is not something I foresaw. And uh, to see the riot and violence and everything. And, and I was, like, looking at it on the news, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is crazy. And to see, like, the back of our the House of Representatives with like they'd shoved a de- like a desk in front of the door and had I was like this is crazy this is, and uh, and I looked at the pictures of the crowd that I saw all these American flags and then I saw like don't tread on me flags and I was like yeah I get that and I saw a bunch of Trump flags which I was like of course because of the thing you know and then I saw a Confederate battle flag and I was like this guy might not understand a few things then I saw some Canadian flags which was like, I don't, that I don't get, but I mean, somebody else can explain that to me. I saw somebody had shared that there was like, you know, somebody who had the country of Georgia flag, not the state of Georgia flag, which is either a mistake or maybe he's from, I don't know, whatever. And then, but then I also started to see a lot of um, Jesus saves flags and crosses and Christian iconography. And this is when I kind of go, okay, we probably need to talk about this. Because... Uh, we live in a great country, and it's in our Constitution and the Bill of Rights and such that allows us to disagree with each other and disagree with the government and not go to jail because we believe in it, okay? Or because you just disagree. Like, I don't agree with you, you don't agree with me. We can even have public gatherings and discuss it or yell about it, and it doesn't. we don't go to jail because of it. In some other countries... If you demonstrate against the, the leadership, you get arrested, or you go to jail, or you get shot, or whatever. So we have an awesome country that we have the freedom to express ourselves, and I'm thankful for that. Frankly, we're benefiting from it here right now. This is going out on the Internet, and it's not being stopped or anything, you know. But I want to say, when you start mixing in the Christian flags and the cross and stuff, you start to cross a line to where I want to say, I saw a pastor, John Tyson, out of New York City, he said this. He said, I want to unequivocally condemn this violence, saying this has absolutely nothing to do with the way of Jesus and faithful Christian witness. And I want to say amen to that. Well, this was, this wasn't Christian. And I, but I want to say also this. This is not like an isolated event. I, mean, I think anybody knows our country is becoming increasingly polarized. Where like this extreme and that extreme are becoming so unlike each other that they start to look like each other in how they behave, but their ideology is incompatibly different. And these vocal minorities, I believe, are preying on the fears that normal people have to you know, and telling them, you have to think this way or you or you're thinking that way, which isn't true. Okay, 
And uh, there's another pastor out of Australia who's also, I've quoted him before, he's kind of a social commentator. He's able to look at what's going on and say, okay, I think this means this in, this, in relationship to the kingdom of God. And he's qu- frankly quite good at it. His name is Mark Sayers, and I re- recommend you checking him out. But in a podcast I was listening to for pastors, he was talking about how he thought that the polarization of the politics of the West, but speci- he's Australian, so he says the West to mean, you know, Australia, Europe, most of Europe, and the United States, and this sort of thing. But he's particularly was focusing at the time on the U- U.S., I believe, that this polarization politically has gotten so extreme that it's passed outside of the boundaries of Orthodox Christianity. Okay? Because as Christian people, loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbors ourselves, everything we do should be infused by that belief. You can't be a Christian and not live in this sort of way or be living in that sort of way. You're going to make mistakes. I get it. But that's what we're doing. So you can't go, this is my Christian time, and then I do this other thing over here. Then you're probably not a believer or, or you're not following Jesus at least because this not whatever this other thing is isn't following him. You follow what I'm saying? It's total. So every political view that you have should be because of your faith. Faith in Jesus is supreme, then what you do with your finances and how you raise your kids and your home and your political views, all of that is being coming from that. Do you see what I'm saying? And so um, when groups start to, when they're taking their political views and pushing them so extreme that this can't hold them anymore, we need to wake, we need to be careful. Okay, and I'm not going to tell you what to think because differing and I think political differences are actually valuable and one of the things that makes our country great because we designed a government that you can work through these things and find a helpful solution. We're not supposed to all agree all the time. That's the genius of what a democracy is, a, re- a republic where you can come and say, I don't agree with you, but we need, you know, we need enough, we have to, you know, you have to talk through things. You can't just go, because I say so, you know. And we've done really good and we've done really bad. And we have, a, you know, our country's complicated and we don't need to get too, I want to say two points. Beware of conflating politics and spirituality, okay? What I mean by that is for ourselves and for the people we're listening to and the people we're around, we just have to be very careful about saying politics and spirituality are one and the same. And this is a difficult thing to discern from what I just said is all of your politics should come out of your spirituality. Your understanding of God should inform everything that you do in a political view or anything like that, okay? And as I said at the beginning of this, I have some strong feelings about a lot of this stuff. (laughs) So everything being informed by that being different than what I think politically is the same thing as my spirituality, okay? That's a very difficult to discern line when you move from this to this. And I think it's happening a lot in our country right now. And I think we have to all, as believers in Jesus, be very careful with that. Because we create enemies for ourselves. I'm going to say one specific thing here as just a warning, and this is pastoral, okay? 
I believe the influence of QAnon-based conspiracy theories are incredibly destructive. I think they might be demonic. I don't use that term lightly, but I also don't want to use it certainly. I'm not 100% sure. I believe a lot of this stuff is deceiving people to a level of at least being similar to being demonic, if not outrightly demonic. But the enemy is certainly using it. And it's specifically because of this issue, not just that a lot of it is completely inaccurate and wrong, but the fact that the spirituality and the politics have become one. Okay? And I'm telling you, pastorally, I'm concerned for the church and our country at the rate at which this is spreading. So I, I, I invite you to pray about that. And if you feel like you're concerned about it or whatever, talk to me. But we could look into that. Um, but I, I feel, I've thought this for a long time, for months, and I've not brought it up because it's a distraction or it, wor- or it could just inflame people or whatever, or that kind of thing. But I want to say for a record that it's continuing. To, it's kind of like, ah, this will go away, and then it doesn't go away. Like, ah, this will go away, and then it doesn't go away, and it gets worse. At some point, you have an obligation to tell people this is dangerous. And I think this is actually dangerous. So the first thing is beware of conflating your politics and your spirituality. And the second thing is this. The revelation of God's love for us and others is everything as far as the solution to this thing. Because when you understand how much God loves you, even you when you're a horrible person, you can start to understand how God loves other people even when they're horrible people. And you start to live a life that looks like this. Galatians 5, 23 is called the fruit of the Spirit. When you live a life that's infused with the power of God and an understanding of His love for you, your life starts to have this sort of fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the last part, against such things there is no law. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, kindness, <laughs> goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. This polarization thing that's happening now, it's like it starts outside. It starts in politics. It starts in this. And now it starts to creep its way into what we're believing about God and all this sort of thing. We go, whoa, guys. And what I hear is a background drum. It doesn't matter if it's from this extreme right or the extreme left. The idea is you should be mad all the time. And I'm telling you right now that is a lie. It's a lie from Satan. This is the, jo- this is the life we're supposed to be living. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And we can live this way. And my God, if we did right now in this world and in this country, we would be a light into the dark, the darkness. And people would be drawn to say, what is different about you? And you say, I know Jesus, and I know that he loves me, and I know that he loves you too. Even when you're a rotten person. This is the good news. And we are designed to live like this. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbors as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. 
I'm going to move to the second part of this message. I'm going to be quick. Psalm 55, 22 says this. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. I'm read it again. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. The righteous is you, okay? Or you if you're following Jesus, you see. So we're going to talk about casting your burden. I mean, we're in such a chaotic time. You know, even if you're not personally feeling chaotic, this world around us is increasingly getting so. And as followers of Jesus, we're to, do, to be the not-be-moved people, to help the other people, right? That's the call. This is part of our lives. And so Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm going to read it again. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. How many of you want rest? This is spiritual rest. We'll get into that. Take my yoke upon you, which is an implement of work, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So a yoke, kids, if you don't know what this is, and I had a picture and I didn't put it in the computer, but you can imagine this. And you've probably seen this on on TV or on cartoons or something that Nowadays, when we plow the ground, we have tractors and big machines that can do this stuff. But back a long time ago, and even in some countries even today, what they'll do is they, the only thing that was strong enough to do that is animals. Because, you know, humans, just, we can only, to do it effectively, there are some places where you literally plow by hand. But animals, they would put this wooden thing around his neck, and then he could pull this kind of, you know, plow and dig up the ground. And then if you put two together, you could do a lot more. And so what Jesus was making a reference to was this wooden thing where you would put two two cattle or two cows or oxen or whatever right side by side. So it'd be two people and then they would have this kind of thing they would be in together and together pull this thing to get the work done. So what Jesus is saying is hook up with me and we'll do this together. And you can learn from me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because we go through life thinking the yoke is hard and heavy. And Jesus is saying, it's, it's easy and light if you learn from me. But it requires <laughs> dropping everything or losing your life, as he says. So he's, so he's talking about, he's inviting us to be yoked with him. So he still has plenty of work for us to do. There's one thing I think that when you talk about rest, <sighs> I'm going to go just be at the beach or something like that or some parents, that's not restful, but <laughs> we crossed the line. There's a line at which you can sit down again at the beach. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So for those of you that are still on your way to that, I, my blessing to you. But my wife and I can go rest at the beach now and just watch. But, the, uh, um, but Jesus says my yoke, and he's, 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 he's inviting us to an active rest, if you follow that you could still live this life. You can live, you could do even more. You could do a lot more, but you're doing. This isn't just a, like, I'm going to disconnect from everything and, you know, do whatever, you know. He's inviting us to a, a the, the, the Christ-yoked life is still quite active. 
Okay. And so um, you know this because this story goes on into Matthew 12. And Jesus is, and it's, you can read this stuff. You should just go ahead and read it. And he's talking about like some of the headings they put on there's like Lord of the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath day is the day that God rested after making creation. And he calls us as his followers to take one day a week and rest. And what exactly that looks like and how exactly we do that, it's really kind of like similar to the fasting thing, where what we're seeing in a way is, this isn't in charge of me. And in like the Sabbath day, we're saying, I'm not in charge. You know, because some people, they go, I can't rest. I'm too important. You see, I can't rest. I have too much going on. Well, God rested. Are you more important and have more going on than God does? The answer is no. You see, the, this is the thing. And so Jesus is inviting us to a restful yoke, and then immediately the story goes into several accounts where his disciples are walking through a field, and they get some grain, and then, like, he heals a guy on the Sabbath. And people are like, whoa, 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 you can't, like, do that. It's the Sabbath day. And he's like, what, am I not supposed to do good things on the Sabbath? And so it's this whole conversation. So he's putting into contrast God's rest versus man's rest, and they're not all the same thing. And the rest for your souls language that he says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's interesting and different than just sleeping, okay? Rest for your soul. And you're like, well, where is that from? He's making a reference to Jeremiah 6. Jesus is smart, and he knows he's doing that, okay? So Jeremiah 6 is talking about, and if you read the heading, I think it talks about like Jerusalem besieged or something. It's not really a happy section of verses. And in Jeremiah 6, 13 to 14, he's, he promises to hold back the wrath if his people will turn to him instead of the words of the false and greedy religious leaders. So like they're in turmoil their city's literally being besieged. God's like, hey, I'll take care of this if you'll turn back to me, but you're following these corrupted people. <clears throat> and you find this in Jeremiah six sixteen. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, the sad part is, the rest of the verse is the answer, but you said, we will not walk in it. And that's the status of most of the people around, even some people that are believers. God offers us this and be like, yeah, I don't want to walk in it. Stand at the crossroads and look. It's a place of decision. Ask, inquire of the Lord, for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. So, Father, I pray that we would people that would be people that would ask for this. We would find the ancient good paths, and we would walk in them. And I pray that we would be people who find rest for our souls. In your name we pray. So I see this as God presenting us this, to deal honestly with reality. You don't escape things just because we follow Jesus, but now we're yoked to him, and that changes everything. And I think that, like, we, we also like to, you know, sometimes people like to throw away, like, well, this is just my, you know, that last book we just read, or I read, <laughs> Celebration, or I mean, a Renovation of the Heart, talks quite a bit about this, that Jesus coming as a man in a flesh and 
flesh and blood body. See, like, we tend to, even as Christian people, we've imported so much junk. And there's, like, these philosophies from Greek philosophy and stuff about, like, well, what's material isn't good. The spiritual is good. This is some sort of poor version of things. But one day, all of this will disappear, and we'll only have spiritual left. And that's not the Hebrew mindset. The people who Jesus was talking to didn't think that way. God doesn't think that way. God doesn't make things like that. You understand what I mean? We live in a fallen world, but it's not in and of itself by its own nature at all times for all creation evil and bad. It's corrupted or broken. There's a difference, okay? So when Jesus steps into that and steps into flesh and blood, he's not, he's not going, yeah, bodies are sinful and bad and evil and blah, 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 and one day they'll all pass away. Jesus is saying, this stuff matters, and I'm going to do it with you, and I'm here with you. And he's a man now, though he's renewed, like we will be. And our life can be chaos. It can be chaotic. And that can cause us to start to lose hope. But all you have to do is look at Genesis 1. We sang about that as the Spirit was moving over the water. This is the chaos of the pre-creation and all, you know. And then, you know, as God starts to turn this into what we see, the same sort of thing, he's creating something out of the chaos. All we have to do is look at Genesis 1 and see what God can do with chaos. It's pretty good. And I think that we can have a lot of hope in that. And you can look at, again, tying all this kind of together, look what God can do in a day. If you go back and read Genesis 1 like the youth is right now, in one day God can do all sorts of things. I mean, it's kind of endless, really, you know, especially in our lives. You know, what God can do in a day is amazing. And he still has time to rest. So let that give this hope. So the main point I have to tie all of this junk together, everything I said the first half, everything I said the second half, tell them I love them. And that this love, this is the love, that this is the love of God is what he's offering you to yoke yourself to. This ability to walk through life's work, struggles, and even suffering, but always with him. He'll never leave us or forsake us. And to join him in this mission of telling and showing the world that he loves them. Come on up. I'm going to read this, this verse that I started this whole thing with of uh, um, Psalm 55, where it says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. That's from Psalm 55 and that's verse 22. But I'm going to uh, read, this is kind of long, but I'm going to read the entire Psalm 55 because I think this is a Psalm of David. David, an honest person, you know, and he's honest with God. He has some serious problems here. He doesn't like everything that's happening. And he doesn't just pretend like, well, since I'm talking to God and God's like, you know, important and all, I should probably not be, I should tell him, like, I'm really, yeah, this stuff doesn't bother me that much. It's cool. (laughs) He's honest about it. He's like, this bothers me quite a bit. And you'll see as I read it. But he's the one who writes at the end there, the righteous will not be moved. And then Kayla and them are going to lead us in in a song and we'll close And the Lord will send us out. So listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught because of what my enemy is saying. Because of the threats of the wicked, for they bring me down, suffering on me, and assail me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. 
The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter, far from the tempest and the storm. Lord, confuse the wicked, confound their words. For I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they prowl about on its walls. Malice and abuse are within it. Destructive forces are at work in the city. Threats and lies never leave its streets. If an enemy was insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship in the house of God, as we walked about among the worshipers. Let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the realm of the dead, for evil finds lodging among them. As for me, I call to God, and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. He rescues me unharmed from the battle waged against me. Even though, my, even though many oppose me, God, who is enthroned from old, who does not change, he will hear them and humble them, because they have no fear of God. My companion attacks his friends. He violates his covenant. His talk is smooth as butter, yet war is in his heart. And he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. But you, O God, will bring down the wicked to the pit of decay. The bloodthirsty and deceitful will not live out their days. But as for me, I trust in you.